podcast. It's called the Matthew West Podcast. I really hope you like it. My people, I want to tell you about a company that my wife and I, Emily, have fallen in love with in 2020. It's called Simply Earth. And if you love essential oils or want your air in your house to be toxin-free, you've got to check them out. But I don't want you just to hear it from me. I brought in the amazing, the wonderful Mrs. Emily West. The crowd goes wild. Hello. Emily, let's talk about smells. (laughs) How do I smell in general? You smell good. I do? Yeah, totally. Guess what? what? I have fooled you. With the help of Simply Earth, because truth be told, I smell like feet. <laughs> I smell like an athletic locker room, but Simply Earth is masking that smell with their incredible boxes that they're sending to us every month. It's over $150 in value for just a $39 subscription. You're holding one of those boxes right now. Every box has a different theme. What's your month? This one's Women's Wellness. So they send four full-size bottles of essential oils. Then you're holding these cards, and each card is like a different recipe. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a food subscription kit, except you don't want to eat this. Mm -mm. We got to tell our daughters, don't eat it. (laughs) Just smell it Mm -hmm. and enjoy the amazement. But most importantly, it's making our air toxin-free, which right now, everybody's freaking out. Mm -hmm. And at least we can know we're breathing in some clean air in our house, right? It's so true. You know, what else I really love about this company is that they give 13% of their profits to help end human trafficking. So, I mean, if I'm going to buy essential oils, these are the ones I'm going to buy because I want to support a company that's doing bigger things. And that's what it's all about. So we get that box every month and it's fun for us. It's healthy for us, but we're also getting to make a difference in somebody else's life who needs to be freed from trafficking. I mean, absolutely, that's a win-win. So here's what you can do. You can go to simplyearth.com slash West. Use the code West to get a free $20 gift card with your first recipe box when you subscribe today. That's simplyearth.com slash West and get a $20 gift card with your first recipe box when you use the code West. Subscribe. Subscribe today, help end human trafficking, help your house smell amazing, help your air get toxin-free, and hide your husband's smell (laughs) that smells like feet. Thank you, Emily West. You're welcome. I can't wait for you to listen in on today's conversation that I get to have with a couple of friends of mine, a mother-daughter power team. That's right. I called them a power team. You and I first came to know and love them from their hit television show, which wasn't just any hit television show. This was the most watched unscripted reality TV show in the history of TV. I'm talking about A&E's Duck Dynasty. My guests at the Story House today are Sadie Robertson and her mom, Corey Robertson. Now, since Duck Dynasty, Sadie went on to win first runner-up on Dancing with the Stars. She's had acting roles in movies like God's Not Dead 2. She's launched a successful brand and tour called Live Original, which is awesome. She's written seven books, including her most recent one, Live Fearless, and we're going to be talking about living fearless today. She's also launched an incredible podcast called Whoa, That's Good. Today, I'm thankful that both Sadie and her mom, Corey, decided to hop on the other side of the microphone and join me on my podcast. So without further ado, let's go to the story house with Sadie Robertson and Corey Robertson. Okay. So Sadie Robertson, Corey Robertson, mother, daughter, power team. (laughs) I just have to say the entire West family 
was excited to hear that I was going to get the chance to interview both of you. And Mm -hmm. they're excited for different reasons. You guys know I live in a house full of women. And so (laughs) I have two daughters, Lulu and Delaney, that were so fired up. And I earned some cool points by the fact that I was going to get to hang with Sadie Robertson. (laughs) And at the same time, Emily West, my wife, is a huge fan of Corey and Sadie, of course, but Corey, you and Emily got to know each other. We did a tour together. So she's a big fan of you and your shoe fashion and (laughs) all of those things. All the ladies of the West House, first of all, say hello and they're super excited. So thanks for joining me today. Of course. Well, we love the West family too. So the feeling's mutual. Absolutely. And tell your girls I said hi. I love that. Oh, man. Well, they also helped me research. And uh, so some of the questions that'll become Coming your way, Sadie, are actually from my 14-year-old daughter, Lulu. Awesome. This is just so cool. So not long ago, my wife and I got to go on tour together with you, Corey, and the infamous Willie Robertson. (laughs) And I love your, your Instagram handle. Boss Hog's wife is your your Instagram handle. But the four of us got to go on tour together and do a special event for couples. And that was pretty incredible, getting to hang out with you guys every single day. I have a highlight from that tour. I'm wondering if it's the same highlight you might have. We had some fun on the bus, traveling around the country. And I remember a late night trip, double date to uh, Waffle House. Do you remember that? Waffle House. (laughs) That was so much fun. Yeah, the real miracle of that trip was that I talked Willie into doing it. And then he (laughs) loved it. We had the best time. He was kind of like, okay, I'm really going to get on a bus for like a month. But we had the best time. We loved being with y'all. And that late night Waffle House was definitely a highlight. It was good. Well, I had never seen somebody who knew the menu of Waffle House. Like, he didn't even need to look at the menu. (laughs) But then the amount of food that was ordered, I was just so impressed. That's how our whole family does Waffle House. Yep. (laughs) Is that true, Sadie? Oh, it's totally true. Waffle House is like, you go for a celebration, like the random late nights, and you know exactly what you get. And it's an obnoxious (laughs) amount of ridiculous food, but it's just so fun. I love it. So what is it? Smothered, covered? Everything. Scattered, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he ordered it every which way. Yes. And I know your dad loves to cook. I mean, I've been watching on Instagram. He's made me look bad during the entire quarantine <laughs> time because he's cooking up a storm for your entire family right now. Oh, yeah. He it has is. been better than any restaurant. I'm like, Dad, like, where has this been my whole life? Like, honestly, <laughs> this is just not coming out. I'm 22 years old. I'm now married, but it's awesome. <laughs> And speaking of the couples tour that we did with your mom and and Willie, now you could have officially joined us on that couples tour. Congratulations to a newlywed. You and Christian got married, was it November of 2019? Yeah, I think I was in the middle of wedding planning when we were on tour. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to say that you took a trip to New York. Yeah. In the middle of the tour, you came to Uh dress up with me or get my dress. Yeah. It's crazy. And so your friendship that you guys seem to have together, Corey and Sadie, just mother-daughter, like, is this legit? I mean, are you guys really as close as it seems to be? Because (laughs) when I look at, like, family and parent goals, I'm watching you guys in your relationship. And it was apparent while we were on tour together, Corey, with you, just the love that you have for Sadie and all of your kids. Tell everybody how many kids you have, by the way. We have six kids, and now we have two son-in-laws, a daughter-in-law, and two grandbabies. 
So we are just like growing by the seconds. And a partridge in a pear tree. That's right. (laughs) But the level of closeness that you two seem to have together is just inspiring. It's parenting goals for my wife and I. Talk a little bit about your relationship as mother, daughter, and as friends, how that's worked and how you've been able to stay close. Well, I just want to say, first of all, it is a dream. Like it is, you know, what you dream about as a young mom that whenever your kids grow up, you'll get to be friends with them. It's the payoff for all those years of like brushing their teeth and changing their diapers and, (laughs) you know, like the hard work of it. Now we get to have the fun of it in, in the friendship. Yes, I will say, is it legit? Yes, it's it's definitely legit. I love the word legit. It's in my Instagram name. <laughs> Our relationship, it is cool. Actually, the other day we were in here talking and Christian walks in and he's like, what are you two doing? I was like, Christian, I'm just talking to my friend who oh. happens to be my mom. And that was like literally yesterday. And it's just true. Like, I think back to like my middle school years and I was like totally your daughter who you were like, oh my gosh, she's driving me crazy because I was so dramatic. <laughs> but hey, I outgrew it and now we get to be friends and it's been awesome. We also, mom is like my manager too. So we work together and do live together, which keeps us really close. It's fun. Yeah. It's, it's funny how we shift from like mother to friend to work in like a matter of 10 minutes sometimes. That's true. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's true. Yeah. Now, have you guys done many interviews with the two of you together? like this we haven't done a lot really on your podcast you do a thing with each other right towards the end of every podcast yes it's funny so the whole like way my podcast started is mom and I were actually doing an interview together and it was like an in-person interview back whenever we used to you know do events and people (laughs) were there and this girl asked me what's the best piece of advice I've ever been given and I said the best piece of advice and mom not thinking about the fact she had a microphone on said whoa that's good like whoa that was good advice. So I was like, mom, how funny would that be? We started a podcast. And so at the end of each podcast that I ask people their best piece of advice, mom comes in with the, whoa, that's good at the end. Oh, that's And talks about some good advice. So yeah, we we do that. And then it was kind of a joke because we started saying like, mom's in the house for the whole first season. Then I got married. So it kind of became Christians in the house. And when I'm with mom, (laughs) mom's back in the house. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. And deep down, you'll always know where the title of your podcast came from. When thousand percent that's right well and i say well that's good a lot she'll call me with well i'm thinking about like speaking about this or here's what i'm thinking about and i'll be like whoa baby that's good but she tells me that i also tell her when it's not good too but that's part of being a mom so sometimes i'll be like yeah i don't know i'm not getting it yeah but then other times i'm like that's really good you're on to something keep going you know which is why at the end of the podcast i ask her advice and she says like whoa that's good or like uh that doesn't really make sense because one thing, mom, she does not like sugarcoat it. If what I'm doing is not good, she ain't going to be like, that's good. She's going to be like, that doesn't make sense. See, and we have to have those truth tellers in our life, don't we? Absolutely. 100%. Especially with all the things, Sadie, that you've got going on, like the fact that you're willing to surround yourself with people who are going to tell you the truth. Sometimes it's truth we don't want to hear. You know, when I think about my relationship with my parents, it's funny how, so at the end of every episode of this podcast, which, you know, this podcast is about sharing the stories of people's lives and recognizing how God is the author of all of our stories. But at the end of every show, there's going to be a segment with my dad that I call Dad Vice. And so we have this in common where, because my dad and I have this really special relationship. And you know what's crazy? Sadie, I don't know how much you've thought about this, but like growing up, 
I don't think I realized how much in the minority I was to have a mom and a dad, one that stayed together, two that like wanted to be in my life. You know what I mean? Right. It always made me a priority. And now, I mean, it's funny because when we're teenagers, we don't necessarily want truth tellers around us all the time, <laughs> especially if it's mom and dad. But the fact that I feel like you and I are both like at a place in our lives where we'll come full circle and now like we're seeking out truth tellers because when you have like a high profile position don't you feel like there's a lot more people that might tell you what you want to hear oh yeah Mm -hmm. and so the importance of having someone like your mom to be able to tell the truth and that advice is more welcomed maybe than it was well maybe you were open to your mom's advice at 16 more than I was open to my (laughs) dad and mom's advice at 16 It was those middle school years that she wasn't so sure about it. Yeah, Middle school hit me hard. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, no, you're so right. Like, you don't realize it when you're younger. And then when you get older, you know, you recognize the blessing before you and just the wisdom ahead of you. I'm kind of the person that I might have like a million ideas a week. And some of those just aren't good ideas. And, you know, I'll get fired up about something. And I need somebody to say like, hey, this one's worth pursuing. This one like might not be. And I get so bummed, but it's so awesome because mom kind of keeps me, you know, just on the right track for what she knows I'm called to do, what she knows I'm trying to do or trying to get through. Like even the other day, I came in with this idea I was so excited about And she straight up told me like, hey, great thought, probably not for right now or the way that I would do it. And it was, I was like, ah, and we ended up talking about it for like all day Wow! and ended up, you know, being the best decision I could have made to shift gears a little bit. And I see that even today and that was yesterday. And so, yeah, it's totally cool to have somebody who speaks truth, who doesn't lead you astray just because, you know, they see that you're excited and they're like, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Like, because I know my mom's for me and I know my mom's for God. And ultimately she's going to make a decision or influence me and the best for both. When you think about like so many people come into a relationship with you with an agenda of some sort, And to know that there's people in your life that their only agenda is your best interests. I mean, that is a gift. And I see that you have that in your mom and in your dad and in Christian, of course. And and I definitely have that in my parents. So I feel Mm -hmm. like we share. And I I picked up on that by getting the chance to go on that tour with Willie and Corey, just going like, man, Willie and Corey are parents who love their kids, love being involved in their lives and, and then being truth tellers and encouragers all along the way. Speaking of middle school, I would imagine if those were tough years, not everybody's tough middle school years actually are on national television. Am I right? (laughs) True. That's true. Yes. So how many seasons were there total of Duck Dynasty? We did 11 seasons. We filmed for five years from the time Sadie was 15, right? I was 14. 14. Eighth grade was when we filmed our pilot Uh um, in a couple episodes and then senior year right before I graduated was the last episode. Yeah. So she went through all those teen years on television, which I want to say this about Sadie and for any young people that are listening or even older people, because we struggle with it as well. Like Sadie, one of the things that I always say about her and why I think she is so wise at a young age is because she does talk about everything. She gets things out in the open and she lets you speak into her. She wants you to speak into her. Wow. And where a lot of people, you know, especially young people don't want to talk about the things that they're going through, the hard things, they just keep it to themselves. And if you keep it to yourself, you don't have anybody that can speak that truth into you that can encourage you or can help you in any way. And so Sadie's always been that person that will just like 
come and like say it and put it all out there. And then that allows other people to be able to speak into her. And she really listens. She really wants to hear your opinion. She really values advice. And she does that with me, but she also does that with mentors, other women of all ages, with her friends, with my mom, her grandmother, her great-grandmother. She goes to people and really asks and seeks out that wisdom. And I think that's a real key for her and why she is who she is. Sadie, where does that come from? Did you see that in your mom's example or like what makes you, because it's so easy to isolate Mm -hmm. and just think, okay, I know what's best for my life. I'm going to pursue my plan. Me, me, me. Yeah. You know, the fact that you're in a position of influence right now Mm -hmm. and the more that that happens and the greater your influence gets, the more likely one could be to kind of separate and say, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do because clearly I'm doing something right. Right. Yeah. I think for me, it honestly came from Well, because I had to make big decisions at a young age and I realized really fast that I don't know what's best for my life. I mean, first of all, when I got asked to be on Dance with the Stars, I said no because I was terrified. And my mom was like, hey, like, I don't think you're like seeing the big picture here. Oh, wow. You know, and that was one of the things I really was scared to do. My mom really talked to me about like fear at the time and like, how is that? Like you can have a million excuses and if any of them were valid, I would hear you but the only thing you're saying is fear and like how many times in the bible does it say like do not fear and like do you believe that god's really going to use you like this is your chance god talks about like we're the light of the world it's not meant to be like hidden under the table it talks about that in matthew and so she's like sitting here and she's seeing a bigger picture than i was seeing in my little like 16 year old brain of fear (laughs) and so yeah I just started to realize okay I don't know what's best for my life a lot of times and a lot of times I let fear drive for me and so I started to like ask people's opinion seek people's opinion I didn't spend as much time in school because of Doug Dynasty and filming and so I asked a lot of older people advice on like how to live life you know Mm. which is really cool and I will say to young people I think a lot of times we're afraid to say something or ask people a question because we're scared of the way that it might come out, I would just say, just because I talk a lot doesn't mean it always comes out right. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to get it out there and be taught, be willing to let somebody teach you how to ask the question, how to get the advice, and you end up being better for it. And yes, it might be embarrassing in the moment. And I've had so many embarrassing moments with mentors asking them just questions that were probably really dumb, but now I know the answer. And so so I think you just have to go through that. I think the biggest word in all of that for young people is humility. You don't have it all figured out. Let yourself Mm -hmm. Maybe be embarrassed for a moment to gain wisdom, which is so valuable. So good. And high on our list of like virtues in our family is being able to laugh at yourself. Like we really value being risk takers and trying things. And, you know, if you try and fail, then okay, you learn something, move on. And so we do really talk to our kids a lot, even from a young age about like, you got to be able to laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself too seriously. And I just think it's a really important trait for success in life, really. I'm guessing a lot of that being able to laugh at yourself comes from the example of dad, of Willie, because I mean, he makes me laugh so much. He gave me a gift of a Willie Robertson loofah at the end of our tour together. But I mean, talk about, I mean, just putting yourself out there and, you know, and Sadie, you talked about fear and being afraid going into Dancing with the Stars. And then years later, you're writing a book about being fearless, about living fearless. Right. Do you feel like when you overcame your fear and joined Dancing with the Stars, which by the way, I'm looking at one of the questions my daughter wanted me to ask was, who was your dance partner on Dancing with the Stars? (laughs) I love it. My dance partner was Mark Ballas and he was 
awesome. Incredible. We had a, a great season. But yeah, the, it was crazy because I think the Dancing with the Stars thing and the saying no and then doing it and realizing what came from it and even now writing the book, the simple revelation of where fear is, there fear is conquered, hit me at 17 doing that. And wow. it was really cool because the thing I'm afraid of, I end up doing. And then I start writing a book called Live Fearless because I start seeing. And you know, the, my favorite verse, Hebrews 10.35, it talks about how don't forget the confident trust that you have in the Lord for that will be richly rewarded. Yes. And my thing there is that confident trust. And how do you gain that confident trust? Well, you have to gain trust by continuing to do something. You gain confidence by knowing it's going to work. And so knowing that the Spirit of God is going to move through you in those times that you feel afraid, and that He doesn't give you a spirit of fear. When you welcome Him into a situation, time and time again, you gain a confident trust. And there I was for three months, every Monday night, having 20 million people watch me live. Yeah. Well, I had to gain a confident trust because that was scary. And I just saw God's power just really come through in that time in a way that I couldn't forget. And confidence placed in ourselves, we're going to let ourselves down. Confidence placed in others, people are going to let us down. Confidence placed in our abilities, sometimes our abilities will fail us, but right. confidence placed in Christ will never disappoint us. And then yes. and that's the ultimate confidence we have. Corey, what's it like to hear your daughter speak with such confidence and also with her faith in Christ being the guiding force of her life. Like as a parent, as a dad, I pray that I can set the type of example that points my daughters into living the kind of life just like Sadie just described, like confident trust, overcoming fear, not being afraid to face plant because I know that my confidence is not in myself, but in Christ. I know how proud you are already, so I kind of already know the answer to this question, <laughs> but what is that like as a mom to hear your daughter sit next to her and hear her speak the way that she just did? Yeah. I mean, it's been a beautiful thing to watch. I mean, that's the best thing about being a mom, just getting to see your kids grow into who God created them to be. And I remember this was after she had just moved to Nashville and she had moved away from us and she was 18 years old. And I remember we actually did a podcast or some type of speaking thing together. And I remember looking at her and just seeing the growth. It was like you could tell she had just been soaking in God's Word. And she's always wow. been that way. I have a video of her preaching on the coffee table, literally at five years old, <laughs> preaching on the coffee table. And she's That's always awesome. just had so many questions about God and really you know, wanted to learn. And I, I know God placed that calling in her heart from a very young age. And then I remember seeing her in like, I think it was seventh grade. She called a meeting for all the fifth graders. Because she wanted to tell them that you're fixing to get into middle school. And she had seen how, you know, girls had gotten mean a little bit when they hit the middle school. And she oh, was like, wow. I'm just going to, I just want to call them together and just kind of encourage them and tell them not to do that and be there for one another. So I just saw her grow in her leadership through the years. But I just remember that really evidently when she had been away from us for a little while. And you could just tell like, okay, she has spent some time in the Word because it was just pouring out of her. Yeah. That was a really proud moment. Yeah. That's the best thing. Sadie, I'm not trying to embarrass you here <laughs> to talk about you while you're on this podcast, but I just have to let you know, as a dad, I look to and fro, right? I look everywhere to find positive female role models for my daughters, and they are few and far between. So when I find Sadie Robertson... <laughs> 
who the Lord's just shining through in just an unbelievable way through the books that you write, through your incredible podcast, through your Live Original Tour, through your social media platforms, through every single aspect of what you're doing, which is like everything. I don't even know how you have time for this interview right now, but... It is such a welcomed find for me as a dad, for my wife as a mom to be able to go, hey, let's go to the Live Original Tour. Mm. Let's go hear Sadie. And for my daughters, I've been dreading them being on social media. But to know that in a world of darkness, there's this bright light called Sadie Robertson, who is just using her entire platform to point young girls and to point everybody. But especially, I just think selfishly, I think about you're pointing Mm. Lulu and Delaney West Mm. to know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made and to know that their confidence can be found in Christ. And Mm. for that, I thank you. And as a parent, Corey, I think there's parents out there who are listening going, man, I hope my kid can turn out like that. (laughs) But I want to ask you, can you point to maybe one thing that was important for you as a parent, or maybe you and Willie, every parent makes mistakes. No parent is perfect in the raising of their kids. But what's one thing that you can say, you know what, this is how the Lord helped me and Willie raise Sadie and helped attribute to who she's become and the faith that she has now. Yeah. First of all, I want to say that we definitely were not perfect parents, and there is no such thing as perfect parents. We prayed for a lot of wisdom over the years, and really, you just kind of leaned on God. And I think one of the things we really try to do is not try to think about what we want our kids to be. Like, we want them to be a doctor, or we want them to go to this college, we want them to be this type of athlete. We just really tried to focus on the kind of people we wanted them to be. And first and foremost, Mm. we wanted their roots to be really deep in Christ. We wanted them to know who they were in Him, that when the tough times come, because we knew they would, that their roots would be so deep that they would be able to stand strong, they wouldn't break, and that they would know whose they are and know that God loves them through anything. And so I think it was really just a matter of trying to say, we're just going to plant your roots really deep and know that God's got you and He's going to help grow you into who He's created you to be. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense, Sadie? Does that sound? <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. And I'll say, first of all, Matthew, thank you so much for saying that. That means a lot to hear that for your girls because, you know, that's the hope in doing this and being an example that young girls and girls my age and older, they would see an example of maybe what it looks like to live a life of Christ. Not perfect, but just real. Yeah. And Sadie said, be encouraged by that. At one point, Sadie said that she was feeling a little, a little different, a little like, you know, people didn't quite understand her, I think, at a time. And she said, I'm just a normal person. I just happen to love Jesus a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. And that's yes. the thing. Like, I never want anybody to I had to take that perfectionism off myself whenever my following grew because I think when people get a following, they think, okay, now I have to be this image people want right, me to be. Right. And then the image looks like everybody else's images. And I think for me, I was like, God, I don't look like that. I don't act like not because of anything other than that's just not who I am, which is kind of what Live Original means. It's like, that's my whole message. It's just be who you are. Originally created in Christ, take that any like thing that you think you have to be off and just be who you are. And hopefully that in itself, somebody just loving Jesus, being there who they are, doesn't encourage you to just be like them, encourages you to be who you are and learn God for yourself. But mom, I think, you know, for y'all, 
everything that y'all did really made us who we are. And even dad, like I remember when I was little and dad was giving everybody nicknames <laughs> and he didn't give me a nickname and I felt very left out of that. And I was like, dad, <laughs> you have a nickname for everybody. Why don't you give me a nickname? And I'm like five or six. And he said, well, he's like, yeah, you're right. And he said, well, you're just, you're just an original. You're the original. And so he started oh, calling me man. the original, which is why I even talk about live original. Oh, Some my dad awesome. spoke over me. Yeah. So just different things that they spoke over and just continued to speak into our life that had to do with who we are, not what we did. And I even think about what you said with sports. I actually really loved sports. Before Duck Dynasty, I really wanted to play basketball in college and do track. That was just kind of what I was going for. But when I think back to that, your dad never really like valued that, not in the <laughs> slightest bit as much as like you did my walk with the Lord. Wow. When I think about basketball, even though I was competitive in it and could have done that, y'all didn't talk to me about that. Y'all talked to me about God. And mm. it's just really cool because I think that sometimes people can say that they value the Lord first and foremost in their family, but then it doesn't look like they value that first and foremost, you know? Right. Other things kind of take number one with time and priority and different things. And I think y'all just did a really good job of making the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I love that. And now I understand why your podcast is called Whoa, That's Good, because every time you guys speak, I keep thinking, I have to stop myself <laughs> from saying, that's good. But it is so good. It's funny because I think about a story with my oldest daughter on her first day of kindergarten. This is one of my favorite memories, and it's taught me just the importance of remembering my faith and remembering that I want my actions to line up with my words. But my daughter came home from her first day of kindergarten, jumped off the school bus, throws her backpack in my arms and starts skipping ahead of me. And my wife and I run to catch up with her and we're like, wait a minute, tell us about your first day of school. And she says, it was awesome. And then uh, we said, well, tell us details. And she said, well, I have a new best friend. (laughs) And we, we sort of smiled like first day of kindergarten. She's already got a new best friend. So we dig in a little bit. We're like, well, tell us details. What about your new best friend? What's your new best friend's name? And she thought about it for a second. She looked up like she was trying to see the top of her head. And she goes, I don't know. But she's my best friend. (laughs) That's awesome. I felt like the Lord showed me in that moment, like, Matthew, there's so many times that you live your life in a public platform proclaiming that you have a best friend, Mm -hmm. right? I write songs. I sing about it. I I go on tour with Willie and Corey. I travel (laughs) around the country. And Sadie, you write books and your whole television show that your family had proclaimed your faith in Christ in such an awesome way. But sometimes in my life, I feel like, I talk about my best friend, but then I turn around and live my life as if I've forgotten my best friend's name Mm -hmm. and the power that it holds. And so as you guys have done this all through Duck Dynasty, which I I was so impressed every season, every episode, just the way that you didn't beat people over the heads with your faith, but you, you just lived it out. And how have you kept your faith strong for both of you as your profile, your platform grew, television celebrities? I mean, I walked into Waffle House with Willie and Corey Robertson, and some people would call me a rock star because I'm known for my singing, (laughs) but all eyes were on Willie and Corey. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm having dinner with a rock star right now. (laughs) Here's one of my big struggles, if I'm being honest. You're living out your faith in a public spotlight. But how do you keep that faith thriving 
on the personal side. Mm -hmm. It can become about the outward expression you just shared with your social media. How do you make sure that your faith stays strong and it still stays not just a public statement that you're making, Mm -hmm. but a personal friendship with Jesus? It's good. Well, I'll say something that mom and dad told us whenever the show started, because people asked us that a lot, like, how did y'all keep your faith whenever Duck Dynasty started? Or how did you keep your faith when you went to Dance with the Stars? And mom and dad kind of just taught to us about that at the beginning, kind of laughed, saying, like, if you're a Christian and you gave your life to Jesus, you don't give your life to Jesus and then you're like, oh, now I got a chance to go to Hollywood. Wait, I'm going to lay that aside. It's like, no, you're a Christian. <laughs> That's who you are. That's your 24-7. You believe in Jesus. The Spirit of God's moving through you. Your ultimate goal is to get people to Him. And so then you view everything like, oh, well, my purpose is because of who I know I am is a Christian and I know that God is good and that he created me and this world is so much bigger than any platform, all those different things. And so you just kind of go into everything knowing that it's not like, oh, well, now that I got this, I can ditch that. It's like, right. that one's going with you everywhere. If you're a Christian, like that's walking with you into any room and any scene. But right. like you said, sometimes whenever you get to that level of fame and you know you're a Christian, a lot of times like it can be such a public thing and you talk about all the time, but then you're like, okay, well, I need to make sure like I'm continuing this daily walk with Jesus because there's going to be none of that unless I'm sitting with the Lord myself and soaking on things that he's doing in my life. One of my favorite verses besides Hebrews 10, 35 is Psalms 1, 2, and 3. And it talks about for those who meditate on the law or the word day and night, they will be like a tree planted by streams living water. Yes. And talks about how in all they do, they will prosper and all of those things. But yes, in all you do, you'll prosper. That's a great thing to think about. And I promise to think about that that comes from for those who meditate on the word day and night. They will be like a tree planted by a stream of living water. And so I think about that. And I think about even the time that mom said when I called her when I went to Nashville, all of it really came from me having a time to meditate on the word and to really read and to see that activated in my life and then that flow out of me. And I've just seen what God's done through that private time of meditation. I read this book, Anonymous. You read about how many times Jesus would get away and just be with the Father. And the disciples, yes, they would be amazed at the miracles, but they'd be like, what are you praying when you get with your Father? Like, clearly that's where the power (laughs) is coming from. And so just constantly thinking about that with this platform is that the only power in this, the only thing that makes us even have purpose or even matter is if I'm saying words that are active and alive and that Mm. bring people to life. And the only way you find words like that are through his word. Do you have a set time where you set aside? Like, Are mornings best for you in your quiet time or is it different every day? Yeah. It's funny. People ask me that a lot. Like, what's my routine? And I will say, I'm so not a routine person because my life is- <laughs> Our whole family. We're none of us- Struggles with routines. None yeah. of us Every are. day is different for you guys. Every <laughs> single day is different. When people ask me what me my too. day-to-day looks like. I'm like, I couldn't even start. Like, which day? What month? What year? You know? Uh, <laughs> everything's different. See, I knew we had that in common because it's so tough to have a set routine. And sometimes I feel guilty because like every morning at this time- Time isn't happening or whatever. But then when I start to feel guilty, I try to like quickly turn that to go, wait a minute. The fact that I'm even thinking about that means my heart's pointing towards the direction of the Lord and it's reminding me wherever I am to stop and spend some time. But every day is different for us because of the kind of jobs we have. So what do you do then if it's not like every morning at yeah. 6 a.m.? 
always just tell people, you know, because people find themselves disappointed in themselves when they miss a thing or I can't keep up with my five minutes a day. I'm like, that's just not what it takes. Like, it's just Jesus is, he's so good. He's a relational God. And it's not like, did Jesus set the meeting for seven? Like, he's not disappointed if you're late or like, (laughs) you like, no. That's so true. I would say like, whenever you actually have a desire to know God, you will make time to get to know God. When you have a desire to know more about Jesus, you're going to sit down and you won't be able to stop reading about Jesus. That flipped for me when I just started reading my Bible, like not with anything, like feeling like I have to. Yeah. I feel like I, I'm supposed to, feeling like, oh, I'm just going to go read this scripture. I'll be like, okay, today I'm just going to like start reading Daniel, I know that he was in the lion's den, but I don't really know the whole story. And I read the whole story and I like cannot put it down because I'm like, this is the craziest thing ever. And when you actually read the Bible, it's super exciting and it's super amazing knowing that, wait, I actually have a part to play in this book and these words. And when it becomes alive and you know you're loved by these words, like something just shifts in you where it's no longer just like a quiet time or no longer just like I have to. It's like I can't stop because I love to. Yeah. You know, I never want to force my daughters to like read their Bible. I I try to encourage them to do that. But you're exactly right. Sometimes, you know, when you've been a Christian for a long time, I've always felt like, man, it's interesting what it feels like when your faith starts to become so second nature that it almost stops feeling like your first love, like the Bible talks about your first love. And it's that prayer. Sometimes my prayer starts with, Lord, help increase my desire right now Mm -hmm. to spend time here and not set a stopwatch, but just to stop long enough and just continuing to keep that. I love hearing that from you because I hear you quote scripture like you know scripture (laughs) and you only know scripture if you've spent time with scripture. And you only live in confident trust if you've read enough to know why God deserves your trust, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And so I can tell I'm speaking to people who know the value of opening your Bible, but also know the grace that life is crazy. And I think you just let a lot of people off the hook when you said, did Jesus set the meeting at seven? What did you say? I've actually never even thought about that. I love that. (laughs) Did Jesus set the meeting at seven? No, he's not disappointed. I just thought about that. I love that. Because the only time somebody's mad at you for being late is if they're there and like you were supposed to show up, but God's not sitting there like, oh, you missed my window. Like, (laughs) yeah, you missed our our appointment. Yes. And we were talking about that the other day. It's just that relationship. I think whatever I understand about God, I understand being a parent has helped me to understand it more. It's just that that's what you want with your children is that relationship. You don't want them to feel guilt if they're late or they didn't call you at that moment, then you want them to want to call you. And I think that's what God wants from us. He he wants a relationship with us, not a set appointment because of guilt. Yeah. So good. I think a whole bunch of people just took a deep breath and said, thank you, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your grace in that, man. That is so good. So I was researching, I was listening to your podcast, and I picked up a few different episodes. One in particular was with Mike Todd about relationship goals. Listening to your podcast made me think that, and maybe we can do this off the air, but at some point, I'm wondering if I could pay you to consult me to teach me like (laughs) cool slang terms so that I can be like... (laughs) 
Like you say, what's up, fam? Listen. And when I say, what's up, fam, I feel like it falls a little flat. And That's hilarious. We well, actually had this discussion at dinner last night because I feel behind. I have no. a little bit of like an advantage here because there are three seniors in high schools living in our house right now. And so yeah. they'll say a word. I'll be like, what was that word? Uh, define the word. Use it in a sentence. Should I try to use that word? <laughs> and then I'm like, am I too old to use that word? Is Corey, that- yeah. I mean, Corey, we have to like stay close to the Sadies of the world and like, no. So like, cause when I say something's lit, like, am I just acknowledging that the, (laughs) that the lighting is right, that it's well illuminated (laughs) or like some people, if they like a song, I'll get comments about, man, this song is a bop. And I'm like, so what? I got to be honest with you, though, when I was interviewing Mike Todd, I felt like I need to like freshen up on my cool <laughs> no. lingo because I'm missing it, too. Yeah, he sounded so cool. He did. He did. I got to admit. Hey, you're not going to beat Mike Todd for cool. You like, will never beat yeah. Mike Todd. He's just cool. What I love is that whatever's happening in your life, Sadie, and you guys as a family, Corey, have done this for years with what was taking place in your life was carried to the television screen and many people got to be inspired by the different seasons of it's almost like you have your own television version of a scrapbook and <laughs> Sadie with your journey what's so cool is like so now you meet Christian and I heard you talking in the interview like how Christian reached out to you for a date <laughs> in like July or something and you got back to him and said yeah how's September <laughs> yep. 10th or whatever and he's like that's two months away yep. and that made me laugh so much but I love how now as your platform grows, as your life continues on these new paths, you're just allowing God to speak through these new stages of your life and people can grow with you. And okay, they got to see what it looks like when somebody says, you know what, I'm going to choose the path of purity. Mm -hmm. And now they get to see what it looks like when, hey, God honors that choice and blesses you with the husband of all husbands and Mm -hmm. a best friend for you. I mean, I don't know if he's the husband of all. I'm guessing he is. He is. I can say. (laughs) But now people can see, like, again, I hate to selfishly always talk about my own daughters, but for my daughters to see, look, look how the Lord honors that decision. And now you're able to share relationship goals on your podcast. I just loved Mm -hmm. how you're sharing now about your marriage and how the Lord's showing you guys how to keep your relationship strong. Yeah, it's really awesome. I will say there were parts of growing up that I did not think it was so awesome when everybody was following along my love life that did not work out. (laughs) But now I'm so glad because at the time it was, it was kind of brutal, you know? I mean, I would date somebody publicly and then we'd break up and then you'd have to talk about it and then people ask you about it and you're like I'm a real person with real feelings and that did actually hurt and so by the time I got to meeting Christian I had been hurt and I felt like I didn't set some of the best examples in dating different people and then people were brought into it like three million people every time and had their opinion and it was just so exhausting and so when I met Christian the reason why I said he asked me on a date in July and I said, September the 10th works for me. He (laughs) thought it was so funny and everybody does too. But at the time I didn't want to do it again to where I bring everybody into this thing. That's really just my relationship. And it's not me trying to bring everybody in. It's just the nature of how my life is. A lot of people are are also like, I think part of like being in a big family and from a small town, it's like everybody knows everything about your life and you're just kind of, that's just how we live. We're just very open and, open. And then my Instagram is just like anybody else's Instagram. It's just my page. It's where I 
post my pictures. And so, yeah, it was just kind of open. And so when we met, I wanted to give it time to really just get to know each other. Then we dated for about six months before we ever posted together. And we had just time to really develop a relationship with just us and the Lord and my family and friends. And it was so sweet. And so by the time we finally, you know, people were brought into that it was with such intention that I knew, okay, this time I want people, they walk with me through the breakups and the dating and all that. And I want people <laughs> to see what God's beautiful plan is for, for marriage. And yes. It's been really, really cool. And I think it's also brought people hope because some people my age and younger, they're so scared to break up with who they're with because what if they never find the one? And yes. if it's not the right person, like trust God that he's bigger than that yeah. and that he has mm-hmm. planned for you. And in the times where I was crying and on YouTube, like, oh, we broke up. Like, thank God. <laughs> like, yeah, that was kind of embarrassing, right. but thank God, like, look at what he's done because he had a plan the whole time. And so it really has been cool to walk through it publicly and hopefully set an example for people on the beauty of God's plan and waiting it out for those things to so see true. what he has for you. It's so, so, so worth it. Uh, I love that. Corey, you mentioned that when Sadie was younger, was it seventh grade? She stood up and spoke to the whole class. Yes, yeah, seventh grade. She called all the fifth graders together to kind of like Give them a little warning about what's going to happen in middle school and try to encourage them. Yes. Because what's crazy is, you know, here you are all these years later, Sadie, you're saying, hey, I'm a real person with real feelings mm-hmm. and how challenging that is and how mean people can be. And one of the things I was thinking about as I was listening to you tell that story of Sadie encouraging people to be nice to each other. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're continuing to do that because people <laughs> can be mean and specifically with girls. So I wrote a song with a new artist named Leanna Crawford. I'm going to send you this song when we're off, by the way, but it's a song called Mean Girls. And it's inspired really by thinking about my daughters and I'm watching what happens when they find out on Instagram that they weren't invited to a party or this fascination with like, wait a minute, somebody unfollowed me. Mm -hmm. Who was it? And then you find out, oh, just that feeling crushed. And one of the lines in the song says, now mean girls are the reason why I changed my clothes a thousand times before I walk out the door. Mm -hmm. And the song goes on to talk about I smile and say it doesn't hurt. Remind me that my worth is worth so much more than their words. Mm-hmm. How have you overcome that in your life? And really, what would you say, both of you even, what would you say to a young girl out there who's just struggling because they've been hurt or they've been made to feel like they're not in the in crowd, right? Or maybe they look to you, Sadie, and go, well, gosh, Sadie's so cool. And she's got all these awesome things going on. And she's got more followers on Instagram. God probably can't use me. I mean, there's just so much pain being inflicted with the mean girls out there. And what would you say to them in terms of just who you are in Christ and what really matters and how to find your worth in the right place? Right. You know, this might not sound like the cutest advice for for all the girls out there but i'm going to be so real with you because i i mean i feel for you every word in your song is so true and i remember middle school and high school before even the show it's just brutal you know girls can just be so mean about how you look what you wear who you are blah 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 whether you dress up too much or you don't dress up enough i mean i remember telling mom they they made fun of me for being too dressed up and then they make fun of me for not and it just impossible well then the show started and then just a lot of mean comments and I remember in eighth grade, actually, it's crazy. I remember crying one night because this girl was so mean and 
I mean, it was just every day. And I wanted to be confident in who I was because I felt like, you know, everybody says, like, just be confident. And so it's kind of what we talked about earlier. And I was like, okay, I just need to be confident. So I thought I would look up a verse on confidence. So I remember like Googling like uh, verses on confidence, you know, it led me to Hebrews 1035. That was the first time I remember reading that scripture. I was in eighth grade. It was, I'll never forget, January 16th, 2012. And I'm not even like a date person. I just remember it because I wrote it on my dry erase board in my old house and never erase it until we moved. Oh, that's so cool. But it was, do not forget the confident trust that you have in the Lord for that will be richly rewarded. And so what I would say to girls out there, and this is kind of aggressive advice, is that you really do have to die to yourself. And you have to know that you're living for something bigger than yourself. Mm. You have to have a way bigger picture than yourself. And I think when I realized I don't have to be confident in who I am, I have to be confident in who Christ is in me. So die to yourself, (laughs) live for him. I remember I was in high school, about a, a senior and this frat boy page on Twitter had 2 million followers posted an article that I was the ugliest football player's girlfriend that has ever existed. And they put all these pictures of me that were unflattering, not my best angle, on their page. Just destroyed me. And I mean, it was such a mean article. And two million people, all my high school saw it, everybody. Mm. And I remember that was hurtful. And then you think, how do you bounce back from that whenever everybody at your high school and every frat boy in college where you're supposed to go the next year has just deemed you the ugliest person ever? It's so confusing, right? And it's so hurtful. But then you realize, well, thank God I don't live for myself. Thank God it's not dependent on how I look. That's not my worth. That's not where it stops. And had I let that crush me and never show my face and stop doing everything I'm doing, well, five years later, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And I wouldn't have gotten (laughs) to write the books that I've written and like influence the girls that I have through my Instagram, through my YouTube and different things like that. And so if you let somebody's words stop you from doing what the word of God says you can do through him, it would really be a shame because God has so much more for you in you than what's on the outside of you or what other people choose to say over you. Do not let those words hold any value up against the word of God over your life. And I believe that so strongly because I've walked through it. That is such a powerful example and a powerful story. And this podcast is about realizing that our lives are a story and there's an author of all stories. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. And when you face a chapter in your story, like you just described, and when you come through that and it points you to that scripture where your confidence is found, I love how you said, like, if I had let that crush me, And instead of letting it crush you, you let it create in you Mm -hmm. a new desire to make sure that your confidence is placed on a firm foundation. And what you're telling me, it sounds like you had a mom in your corner during those days, too, Mm -hmm. that was reminding you how beautiful you are. You got somebody, a voice that's louder than all those haters out there, which even even saying haters makes, I feel like I don't say it as cool as other Uh, people do. But but I'm willing to bet that you had a mom in your corner during those days. For sure. My mom was such 
such a huge hope during those days. And that's, again, talking to her about it and not isolating yourself. Let your mom so in on true. those things. Let your dad in on those things. Let your friends in on those things. And they can help zoom out, like I talked about. And the crazy thing is, and I just want to say this before we end it, because I think some people have this idea that if they get to a certain place and they won't think the thoughts that they have or the insecurities they have, and the truth is, when I got that article posted about me that said I was the ugliest girl that's ever dated a football player, at the same time, that was whenever I walked in New York Fashion Week for modeling. So <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are or where you think you made it. You're going to get it. You're still going to feel the insecurity. You're so If you're living for yourself and if you think your worth is not even if it's the biggest lie ever, of course you're going to read that and believe that over the facts of what you're doing. And so that's why you can't live based on who you are or what you're doing. You have to base it on who God is in you and what he's doing through you because the enemy's not going to stop. You know, there's no chill. He's not going to stop. There's no chill. I'm writing that phrase down. So before I let you guys go, in every episode, one of the things that I like to ask every guest is, what was your blue couch moment? And what I mean by that is, when I was 13 years old, I was sitting on a blue couch in the living room of my childhood home in Chicago when I accidentally stumbled across a Billy Graham crusade. And that became a moment, a defining moment in my story where everything my parents had taught me up to that point Finally, something was clicking and I began to realize, you know what? I think I want to know Jesus. I think I want to let him be the author of my story. And so I always remember that blue couch. And Sadie, I love the details that you seem to remember, the scripture, the date that you wrote that scripture. And I'm wondering if you've already answered that question, because what you just described, that article that was posted and finding that scripture in Hebrews, that's a defining moment in your faith. And before we part ways, I just want to ask you guys, because I think it helps when we get to hear somebody else's defining moments in their faith, it can help somebody listening to this right now to think about and remember the time where they first heard God call their name, or somebody out there right now who's never had a blue couch moment, who's never had a a defining moment where they simply decided to say, you know what? You take the pen. You're the author of my story. I trust and put my confidence in you. So before we go, I'd just love to hear yours, but a blue couch moment in your story where you knew God was real and you decided that he was going to be the one in control of your life. Sadie probably has another one to share, I'm sure. So for me, as you brought that up, I was thinking about this moment when I was out at camp. I know summer camp's kind of an important place for a lot of young people, and it certainly was for me. And our family's still involved in summer camping because we just believe in it. It's so powerful, a time to just get away from everything else and just really spend time with the Lord and with people who love the Lord. And so I had grown up in the church and, you know, Christian family and kind of always felt like I believed in Jesus, I guess. And I remember this moment where we were going to have this kind of campfire thing. And the youth director came up to me and said, we're going to have this thing and I'm going to ask everyone to share and I want you to stand up and share first. 
because I need somebody just to get it going. And I feel like if you say something, then other people will say something. And I was so mad at him for asking me that because I <laughs> did not want to do it. I had a lisp when I was younger and I really had to go to the speech therapy when I was a teenager. I was like 16 years old before I got rid of my lisp. And I was, you know, insecure about talking in front of other people. And I remember just being like, I cannot believe he asked me that. I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it, you know. And I was so scared and so nervous. And I remember that time came and I'm sitting there just like sweating bullets. And I thought, okay, this is not about me. And I think it was that moment of just realizing like what Sadie said, just dying to self and just saying like, look, this isn't about me. This is about giving God the glory and pointing people to Him. And we really believe He is who He says He is. And He lives in us and His Spirit lives in us. Then I've got to just go for it, you know? And I remember just speaking up and just sharing my testimony in that moment and seeing people respond and being like, okay, God, like you carried me through something that I really, it seems small now, I think, because Hmm. now I speak to lots of people and have this opportunity (laughs) that I never dreamed I would. But at the moment, I just remember feeling really scared and really like, I can't do this. And like yeah. Moses in that moment of like, God, like, why are you choosing me? This wasn't God. This is a youth Man. minister. But I was like, why are you choosing me? I have a list. Yeah. I have a speech impediment. I can't do it. Pick somebody else. So that was what I thought of whenever I he love that. that up. Yeah. And he was preparing you and your family for this whole yeah. journey where you're going to be speaking and sharing your story for all the world to hear. That is awesome. Pretty awesome. For me, I feel like there's so many different moments, but one is kind of the defining moment that I can think of. And I think for me, sometimes I separate it into like two different times because one was like my eighth grade self that I told y'all about. But then again, whenever our fame started, not that it was like a different life because we're the same people and we lived in the same place and everything, but it certainly felt like a different calling. It was just a lot of people looking at us. And I remember just kind of being like I mentioned, afraid of that and not really knowing what to do with that. And it was after Dancing with the Stars and I had been getting like a lot of movie opportunities to be in and basically do the whole LA thing, move to LA, pursue acting and movies. That was kind of the natural next step of what it was looking like. And something in me just did not feel like that was the right thing to do, but it did not also seem like I was supposed to go back home and go to college at the time because I didn't really feel like I could. When I was back home, I was like a celebrity now. I didn't want to be, but it just changed, you know? Going to college just seemed like, well, everybody want to take a picture with me while I be normal. I mean, it was just so many weird thoughts. It was like either go to LA or try to do this. And I didn't know where I stood. And I remember praying and being like, God, like, what is your purpose in this? Like, did you, I think you chose the wrong person because I just don't feel equipped for this. I don't even know what to do with this, you know? And right in that time, I also went to summer camp and there is this woman speaking and her name is Alex Seeley. And I didn't grow up seeing a lot of female preachers. And so this was actually one of the first times I ever saw someone like Alex preaching at this camp. And the whole time she was preaching, I was like, so gripped. And I just remember it wasn't like probably what everybody else in the crowd was feeling because it wasn't just what she was (laughs) saying. It was how she was saying it. Yeah. Literally the first time I responded to an altar call was that day. I went forward and just got on my knees. And I remember thinking, I want to say words that do what her words just did in me. If people are actually listening and people are actually watching and I could speak the Bible like she just did, then that would give purpose to everything that God's done with this platform 
platform. <laughs> and it was just like a light bulb. And then that day was the first day I actually started journaling about a live original tour <laughs> and going out and speaking just like she did. And I still have that journal from that summer camp. And so it's just wild. So that was definitely my blue couch moment. And now, and this is such a great place to wrap up our time together because now guess what's happening? Somebody else is, is sitting in the crowd at a live original event. Of course, when crowds are allowed again, right? <laughs> right. Somebody's listening to the Whoa, That's Good podcast. Somebody watched Duck Dynasty. Somebody's read your book and somebody's having the same calling placed upon their life right. to be part of the next generation, all because you and your family have chosen to have confident trust and to be fearless and to let God speak through you, through the good, the bad, and the broken. He's using your story to impact the stories of other people's lives. And on behalf of the West family, I just want to say thank you. I'm so honored to have had the chance to chat with both of you. Corey, you should be super proud of your daughter. And Sadie, I know how much you love your mom and your dad. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to questions like uh, my daughters had written, like how long has it been since you've seen your dad without a beard? But we'll get to go with those <laughs> another time. So I the guess years. I would... I just want to say that this has been, uh, I'm going to try this out real quick. This has been lit. Right. I'll always consider you fam. Is that, I don't there know. You go. Okay. I should have quit while I was ahead. I love it. Hey, I love it. listen, I want to say how thankful I am for you guys taking this time, sharing your stories and continue to just do the great work that God has for you. You've inspired me even today to go, you know what? Where is my trust placed? I'm remembering that Jesus didn't set the meeting at 7 a.m. <laughs> and I can spend time with him all day and every day. And the more that I spend time with him, the more I'm going to know that my confidence is placed in him. So thanks for sharing that message, both of you guys today. I'm praying for y'all. I'm so glad that your family is doing well and safe. And Sadie, God's richest blessings on your new marriage and Christian and all the great things going on in your life. So thanks for joining me at the Story House today. Thank you. So much Thanks Matthew. so much. Thank you. So much more than my words. Now it's time for a part of the show that I call Songs from the Story House. As a music lover, I've always loved it when I get the chance to peek behind the curtain and hear a story that inspired one of my favorite songs. Well, that's what we're going to do here. In every episode, you're going to get the chance to hear a story behind a song. Sometimes you're even going to get to hear from the very person whose story inspired that song. So let's go. Today's song is called Quarantine Life. Now, you don't need me to tell you that the world is certifiably insane at the moment. Uh, we have just been through the most crazy season. World turned upside down, inside out. Nothing is as it once was. One minute I'm on a tour bus getting ready for a concert. And the next minute I'm back home in Nashville and being told not to leave my house for several weeks. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, songwriting has always been a release for me. Sometimes I'm writing songs to release discouragement or feelings of doubt in my life. Other times I need to write a song just to release some of the crazy. And that's how this song came about. I did some investigative reporting inside the West House and found out what some of my family members were missing most due to this quarantine life. And that inspired the song that you're going to get to hear. 
All right, this is Matthew West broadcasting live from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm currently in the West home. We're going to go and talk to some of these family members and see what it is they miss most after having to be living this quarantine life. Okay, what have you missed the most by being on lockdown? I just want to leave my house. You just want to leave the house? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You crushed my heart. <laughs> Emily, what are you missing the most? I'm missing getting my hair done. Yeah, me too. For you. Okay, what else? I want to see my friends. Yeah. All right, Delaney, what have you missed the most during quarantine? Um, I miss going to Target. Ooh, a trip to Starbucks would be nice. I wish that I could go to Target. It's been a few weeks. I'd spend a couple hours shopping. Buy something I don't need. Last night I dreamed I went to Starbucks. I heard him say welcome back. And I woke up and drank a bad cup of coffee Through a homemade mask And now I'm sad Quarantine life, quarantine life Can't lose weight but I'm losing my mind Quarantine life, quarantine life Killing that corona with a Clorox wipe It's lonely inside But we're gonna survive This quarantine life, quarantine life Well, there you have it. One of my most deeply spiritual songs. Okay, maybe not, but I hope it made you laugh. We need to laugh these days, don't we? I had one lady say that she woke up to her three-year-old singing, Quarantine Life, Quarantine Life. So maybe three-year-olds are my new demographic. Gosh, I hope three-year-olds listen to podcasts. I hope you enjoyed Songs from the Story House. He is my dad, and he gives good advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Oh, here we go. It's that time in the show where my dad gives advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, how you doing today? I'm doing fine, son. Thank you. Have you figured out what a podcast is yet? No, still learning. <laughs> <laughs> you just happy to be here? Oh, I'm happy to be anywhere. Okay. Uh... All right, good. Well, I know you're always in the word, and I know you've got a good word for us today. So what's the word? Well, actually, I have two words for you, and they are no Jesus. No Jesus, like N-O Jesus? or No, it's K-N-O-W. That's much better. No yes, Jesus. Awesome. Yeah. Well, our key verse for the day is wrapped around that word, no. Paul wrote that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. His desire was to know Christ above anything else. And um, that's my desire as a dad, mostly as a follower of Christ, that I would know Christ more than anything else and desire him. In my life, one of my heroes was my mom, and my mom showed us the importance of knowing Jesus. I was from a family of 10 kids, 
Every Sunday morning, she'd get us dressed up, and my dad would come along too, but he came to Christ later, and uh, it was like a parade. Picture that in your mind. The West Family Parade, 1957, walking three blocks in a little town to a neighborhood church. Yeah, I visited that church. It has incredible memories to me. That's where I first learned the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know For The Bible Tells Me So. That's where I first accepted Christ, the first came to know Jesus at a vacation Bible school. And from then on, as I grew up and fast-forwarded, I became a dad and have three awesome sons. My goal for them was to know and learn a lot of things, but I realized the most important thing they needed to know was Jesus as their personal Savior mm. and Lord. And I'm thankful that I have three sons that realize that they can have all the knowledge in the world, but if they don't know Jesus, it's in vain. It's worthless. Yeah, you've taught me that from day one. I can attest to that. Just my brothers and I, you always would encourage us to the importance of knowing and having a personal relationship with Jesus above all other pursuits in our lives. I'm thankful for that. What's that scripture again? It was Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10. Read that for us one more time. Okay. Paul said that I may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And the reality is this, if your story is going to have any real lasting significance in this life, it's going to have to start with that one place. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? I mean, do you know the power of his forgiveness, the power of his resurrection? Do you know that he has a plan for your life? To know Jesus is to know that your story is not your own but that he's the author of your story. That's a good word for today. I encourage you to go read that scripture today in Philippians and make that your anthem today. I want to know Jesus above all other pursuits. Hey, if you'd like to receive more encouraging messages just like the one my dad shared, we have a nonprofit ministry called Pop We, P-O-P-W-E. Kind of a funky name, but it's an awesome ministry. Go to popwe.org to get some more inspirational materials, we send out a weekly devotion called Day One Devos. It's free of charge. We send it to you every week in your inbox just as a little reminder to spend time with the author of all stories and let God speak into your life. If you'd like to sign up for that, go to popwe.org. You can also read some inspiring stories. You can even submit a prayer request and know that thousands of people around the country will be praying for you. So join the Pop We community by going to popwe.org. Man, what an awesome time that was, and, and what a treat to be able to sit down and talk with Sadie Robertson and Corey Robertson. You know, as a dad, selfishly, I feel like I walked away with some incredible wisdom and advice on how to raise daughters in this crazy world. Boy, just an incredible role model she is. I want to thank my family for helping to inspire Quarantine Life. I want to thank my co-writer on that song. Got to give a shout out to AJ Pruz, who actually also produced the theme song, which I think has just the right amount of annoyance you know the matthew west podcast theme song hopefully it's ringing in your ears but more importantly i hope you got a lot out of today's episode hey if you did be sure to subscribe to the matthew west podcast and we'd love to get a five-star rating you know what's better than four stars that's right 
five stars. And be sure to leave a comment. Let us know what you thought of the show. And also got to remind you, we launched this podcast not with one episode, but with three episodes. So be sure to check out those other episodes as well. Last but not least, for any of the information you want to get about the podcast, if you want to find the music, more information on Sadie and Corey Robertson, anything you're looking for, you go to MatthewWest.com slash podcast. That's MatthewWest.com slash podcast for links and all the information in the show notes. All right, go live a meaningful story with your life. And remember, it's your story for his glory. God bless you guys. I'll see you next time. Seriously, I, I, I do.